I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast on Thursday, April 27th, which means draft day. We made it. We made it. Draft day, the day, not the terrible movie with Kevin Costner. Oh, are you not a, not a draft day guy? It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Why? The acting? Cliche? Literally every, every part of it. Literally every part of it. Steve Kime said it's the most realistic movie of all time. I don't know if you saw that yesterday. I did see that. Yeah. And... It, on the one hand, I find that incredibly difficult to believe. On the other hand, I've seen Arizona's personnel moves in recent years. And it kind of makes And it suddenly little, starts little to sense. tally a little bit more. Maybe Kevin himself was making the selections. It's possible. It's know? possible. I, I honestly, like, I've, I watched it once. I, I can't watch it again. But I've seen, like, clips, you know, surface on Twitter or TikTok or whatever as right. we get to close the draft. Right. And, and every time, so, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I'm like, maybe I, maybe I have been too harsh on it. Maybe it's actually better than I thought. And then you watch these, like, minute-long clips, and you're like, in that one minute alone, I can tell you, <laughs> if anything, I've been too kind to this movie. I, I didn't Bye. see it until, like, two months ago, um, which is strange because I've been yeah. working in the NFL draft for, like, six, seven years. But hadn't seen it until, like, two months ago. And you know what? It's fine. No, it's not. The movie's fine. It's not. If you enjoy it, continue to enjoy it. No. It's my don't. thoughts. If you enjoy it, ask yourself some questions about where things have gone wrong and what, what... Yeah, and why you're not the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals right now. <laughs> anyway, draft day. We've reached there. It is time. We'll be back on tonight for our live draft show during the draft ourselves. Steve Palazzolo, despite claiming yesterday that he was just uh, dealing with allergies... Mm. apparently needed medicine of some kind this morning, so has cried off this podcast again, but assures us he will be there for the draft show tonight. Uh, how are you liking the three Bills certified chairs, by the way? They're nice. They're nice. I walked in yesterday, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are great. And we mm -hmm. only had two set up, yeah. so I was kind of worried right. that for the draft show tonight, because it's the four of us, it's me and Chris as well, mm -hmm. I was worried that we were going to get left out, that you guys were going to have dibs on the chairs already, right. and we were going to get the old ones. Yeah. But well, I think thankfully... You pointed out the ones right behind me yeah. offset. Even if that was the case, I think it would go on a, a weight basis, you know? Like, Steve would need one of the three Bills certified chairs for, you know, safety. Yeah. And then it would be like, who's who's the next guy closest to three Bills, you know? It's not me. It's not me. It's not me. No. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to say that our boss uh, is higher in weight. You, you don't I'm, need I'm to not, say it. I'm you not just need to it. leave it out there, you know? Okay. Right. I, look. Smart man. I'm not going to put weights on anybody, but... I'm not the heaviest remaining. You're not the heaviest remaining. Chris could probably still bench more than us right now. Sure. You know, yeah. yeah. You know. I mean, if day three things are getting real boring, we'll bring in a bench and we'll see how much Chris can do. Oh, I'm here for that. One rep max. Yeah, you know? That'll be pretty good. I like it. He <laughs> no, was telling us a while ago that he, uh, the last time he ran a 40, he almost like ripped his hamstring off wait, the bone. Wait, hold on though. When's the last time? <laughs> it's he... quite a way ago from the sound. Okay. Of it. Like okay, his okay. kids were kids as opposed to, you know, like media personalities and people running companies and stuff like they uh, so it sounds like it was a while i was hoping it was like two years ago no you know? no no it seems like it was quite some time in the past all right, all right so today's show um we'll hit a little bit on there's a couple of little bits of news you know as we get some of it is featured in your mock draft but mm -hmm. 
The real thing here is this is a predictive mock draft, it which does not tend to surface on PFF's uh, ecosystem very often. We're, we're big fans of the, you know, what we would do mock drafts. Right. Because, you know, we evaluate players differently. We come with more data-driven uh, approach and other people. So we're, we're an awful lot of like, look, this is, we don't care what's going to happen. Here's what you should be doing. Here's the players you should be looking at. You've gone, though, you're, you're uh, prognosticating Nostradamus yeah. over there. Well, I think that it, it's that time of year, right? I think most of the mock drafts that I do throughout the draft cycle are a lot of, hey, this is how I see the prospects. This is how I've broken them down. These are my rankings with these guys. Here's how I would pick them in this order if the draft were to go this way, if I were to be controlling these teams. Because you're right, it's more fun to get our thoughts out there, right? But the week of the draft, people want to know who their team is taking. So instead, we kind of open up our ears a little bit more. We talk to a lot of people within the league, around the league, who might be covering teams a little bit closer than we do here from Cincinnati. And we try to figure it out. And we try to put together the pieces of the puzzle to get the final picture of what's going to be the draft. And so I got to tell you this, too. This is by far the most stressful thing (laughs) that I do during the draft season. This last mock draft, because it was, I told my editor, and I feel so bad, shout out Ben, because he stayed up way later than he needed to for my mock draft last night. I think I told him that my mock draft was going to be done at 7. I didn't submit it until like 9.30. Like I was, I I thought I was close, and I was like, yeah, 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 it'll be done within the next 20 minutes. It was another two and a half hours because I (laughs) stared at it. And I just tinkered with it the whole time. But I do feel pretty good about where we landed and how this mock draft is in terms of what I think is going to happen. Excellent. We're going to get into it. But first, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by the great people at Western and Southern Financial Group. Their plaque is on the wall for good reason. Those guys make everything happen. While you focus on your roster moves and Trevor's draft, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. All right, Trev, let's do it. Pick number one. Yep. Carolina Panthers, they trade the farm, they get up there, they control the draft. What are they doing? I, they're taking Bryce Young, um, and and it should have been Bryce all along. Here's what I, I here's what I think happened. I think that Carolina was comfortable enough with what they knew about Bryce to make the, the trade from number nine to number one. Right. I think that that is where they started with this. But then I don't necessarily think they were lying, saying, okay, now we're going to put a lot more resources into the other big three quarterbacks to see if they would be worth it to go up to number one. Of course, you know, you have a lot of people in Vegas who changed the odds for C.J. Stroud to be number one overall, Frank Reich's history with a lot of bigger, more pocket presence quarterbacks, Josh McCown doing his breakdown with underdog about C.J. Stroud and absolutely Mm -hmm. loving what he's able to do from the pocket. But I really do believe that when they made the trade, they were comfortable if if they were only going to like Bryce Young. Then they opened it up to do more research, and they land back on Bryce Young still. And, And to me, that's the right selection in this draft. They need a quarterback. Bryce is the best one to choose from. I got him going number one. Yeah, I buy into all that. I think it's true that they were not locked in on a pick when they traded up to number one. They wanted control. Like, they didn't want, we're picking at number nine. What happens if the one guy we think is good isn't there and there's nobody else? That's probably a high chance. Yeah, that, right. that would have been the case. So we trade up to number one. 
now we have control. We're not locked into anything. You know, if we decide there's two guys, three guys, we can trade back again, we, whatever. We just want the control. We want it now. And they got that done. And then it ends up being, at the end of it all, Bryce Young. Um, <clears throat> and I think the other element is, as much as I agree with you, Bryce Young's the best quarterback. He's the most, he's the safest prospect. He's the best of the group. You're also, you can't get past the size. Like, it's going to scare you. Mm. Nobody's, nobody's, like, there are picks where you go, you get the first overall pick, you have no concerns whatsoever. This is the guy. There's no alternative. Like, he's, he's great. There's no question marks. Doesn't mean he'll hit 100% of the time because they don't, but we feel good. You can't feel 100% good about Bryce Young. You can't because we've never seen a guy that size against, you know, modern NFL defenses. Right. So it has to be there in the back of your head somewhere going, what if he breaks? And I, I do totally agree with you that that exists, but then the counterpoint to it is this entire exercise, no matter who it is, you have those risks. Yeah. I, anybody anybody can, even just in the injury category, anybody can get hurt any sure. given play. Mm -hmm. So that, that does exist for everybody, and I do think a lot of people like to make mock draft and just draft selections. Um thinking which ones stress them out the least. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to exist in this draft. You're just going to be, you're going to have a little bit All of stress of and anxiety yeah. for every single pick that comes through. With that being said, as long as Bryce is healthy, he is a starting winning quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Is he ever going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I don't know. How many of those have there been over the last, whatever it is, 30, 40, 50 years? Not many. So that bar should not really be the bar. I think this guy gives you a chance to win every single Sunday. He did every Saturday for Alabama, and I think that's why he'd be number one. Yeah, and I think that's the one piece of information that we know about this draft. <laughs> is it sounds like, seems like, Bryce Young will be the number one overall pick. Most people are coming around to that consensus, but then all bets are off. Like from that point, nobody seems to have any idea what's going on. So what do you think is happening at two? So this is the, this is the plan that I, that I landed on, and I'd be going quarterback here. I would be taking a chance on one of the three quarterbacks that is left, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis. It doesn't seem like Houston's going to do that. Unless we're all really getting fooled by some some good deep smoke screen mm -hmm. over the last 10 days, it just does not seem like they're going to do that. Sounds like they're going to go one of the two edge rushers, Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson. It is so hard for me to believe that somebody in the NFL would draft Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson. It's so difficult to believe. <laughs> Will Anderson, in one season, in 2021, had more backfield production than Tyree Wilson has had throughout his entire starting career, throughout all of college football. Uh, and, and that's not even counting the 2022 season, which was called a down year, which would have been the best Tyree Wilson year that we've ever seen. I understand that Will Anderson is not this guaranteed Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett type of edge rusher player. He's not. He wins primarily off athleticism right now. He's got to get a lot better about the pass rush profile part of being a backfield disruptor. But production is something that we consistently go back to. The pass rushing grade something that we consistently go back to. It's why we kind of sat on this desk last year and we're like, Trayvon's going to go number one. Probably shouldn't, mm. right? Because we looked at the data of what Hutchinson's been able to do, especially uh, the year that he had going into the NFL draft. And uh, I feel like that's the conversation that we're having here today. And I think people are out thinking Will Anderson. Will Anderson's still on the table for the Texans. Ultimately, I believe that they're going to land on Anderson if they're going to go with a defensive player in this draft. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. That's what should happen. I have a lot less trouble believing, <clears throat> though, that the NFL would draft Tyree Wilson ahead of Will Anderson. Well... 
Trayvon, <laughs> Trayvon Walker went one last year, so yeah. you're right. You've got and the evidence with you. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, oh, with Tyree Wilson as this pick, uh, D'Amico Ryans gets his Nick Bosa. And you're like, what? Who, when? I've seen a lot of people say that. Because I've, I've remarked to people every time it's come up. I mean, he could be, but why would we think that based off current evidence? Tyree like, Wilson, and I don't, I don't mean this to say, I, I, I don't. Every time I have to talk about Tyree Wilson, it always sounds like I'm almost like rooting for him to fail. I'm not in any way, shape, or form. Like I think he's a good football player. I just think we've gone totally off the rails. Like, oh, gets his Nick Bosa. Hmm. Tyree Wilson, in his final best year of college, was not as good as freshman year Nick Bosa. Yes, like that. That's. That's those are the kind of sentences. Or critically, are- even so, I went and looked at. I pulled up a spreadsheet of the top two draft or the top two edge rushers that have been taken each given year for like the last ten years or whatever it is, right? So obviously that brings in the Nick Boses, the Joey Boses, like the the true like blue chip guys. Mm-hmm. But critically, even the ones that missed, you know, that, that became just like serviceable NFL players or not good ones. Each one of those guys had a good had like their best year with like a ninety plus PFF pass rushing grade. right like right you know the like Cleveland Farrell had a ninety plus pass rushing grade his final season I think I think it was his final season but like each one of those guys the ones that like haven't become elite players they at least had one year where you go all right there it was right you know, it took a while to get they there but together. we got there yeah. Tyree Wilson's best year hasn't cleared 80, I think, as a pass rushing grade. No. And even Anderson's didn't get to 90. Now you can maybe argue that his would have got there if Alabama had sort of turned him loose the way Ohio State turns loose, you know, when they get an elite edge rusher. But but he didn't he didn't hit that height and Tyree Wilson never got near it. So, you know, if that's and like then you've got the one like giant uh outlying glare of uh Trayvon Walker who never got above like 67 or something like but even those even those like every guy that's been taken at the top or high in the draft the first couple of pass rushers has had at least one year where they've been outstanding except Trayvon Walker who had you know maybe the greatest athletic profile we've ever seen right Wilson has neither of those things right he's never had the one year and a foot injury yeah and a foot injury so we don't know what his athletic profile is but even like we, you know, we joke about Steve's model all the time, but like when you, if you give Tyree Wilson Trayvon Walker's athletic profile, which I think we can agree it won't be, no. like somewhere it will be missing a right. piece because everybody yeah, else has, right? If you gave him Trayvon Walker's athletic profile and married it to his production, it still doesn't put him in that like high end, can't, you know, definitely going to be a good player mix. It, that's, Worrying. We've yeah. never, we haven't seen it. So ultimately, like I said, I'd be taking quarterback here, but I'm predicting that it's going to be Will Anderson in the end. Um, and I I think, we'll get to this later in the, in the mock, I think that Houston's going to use that number 12 overall pick to try to have their cake and eat it too, right. get a really good defensive player, and then also believe that one of the quarterbacks that they like is going to fall a little bit, get aggressive from number 12, perhaps move up back into the top 10 to go get that guy. And you see them sticking. Have you done trades in this in this? Mark? I didn't do trades, but I do see that's, – that's why I, I – because also, just letting people know out there, I submit this mock to a mock draft accuracy competition. Oh, so it's like – You got to get in the game. Right, and so it's like I don't really want to predict trades because it can only hurt your accuracy. The option, yeah. the, the chance of you hitting on that right. is a lot less than you at least just staying and having them take a certain player mm-hmm. in that spot. So I have the Texans staying at twelve, but I could see them trading up with the Bears if they want to move back from nine from 
the Atlanta Falcons, who I really think are probably trying to move back from number eight. Like those are two spots that I think are hot spots for Houston to move back up from 12. All right, number three, Arizona. This is where it starts to get interesting because all of a sudden we're getting uh, a lot of buzz about the pick that you've gone with. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter here. Now it matters because you want to get the player. You want to get the player you're going to hit on. That right. part matters, but Arizona's roster is one of the worst in the NFL. You can pick Tyree Wilson if you think he's going to be good. You can pick Paris Johnson Jr., who I have here for them, if you think he's going to be good. You can pick basically any player in the trenches or any – shoot, Devon Witherspoon. They, yeah. they, they don't have any good players on that roster, really, especially with Kyler Murray being hurt and DeAndre Hopkins wanting out. There's not a lot to hang your hat on with that Cardinals roster. No good players is probably harsh. I shouldn't have said that, but it is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. This team as a whole – had a 65.7 overall blocking grade last year. That was 30th in the NFL. If they are in any way still in on Kyler Murray after signing him to that big contract, knowing that he is coming off of injury that he suffered this past season, you got to make the offensive line a hell of a lot better as a whole for when he returns and when he is fully healthy. Because he'll be about midway through that big contract once he finally gets back if you figure okay not this coming year but then next year he'll be fully healthy and we'll get a full full year out of him offensive line's got to be a lot better by the time you get to that point the odds for Paris Johnson Jr. to go number three overall have really increased over the last week yeah and I think that we're locking in on him being offensive tackle one in this class and I think it starts potentially right here at number three and there were reports that uh Kyler Murray really liked him, right? That he was, he's been lobbying for the Cardinals. Colin Murray doesn't want to get hit when he comes back, so I don't blame him. Um, this is, I think, by far the highest I've seen the offensive tackle start, mm-hmm. uh, and it sounds like this is getting closer to being a, a popular pick now. It's also kind of funny because all of a sudden it's like the the best three players maybe on the Cardinals' offensive line would all be left tackles. So maybe we just create an entire offensive line of left tackles and see how that works. No measurable deficiencies. It's true. Yeah. Nowhere to be found. Um, you got like a six-six center, <laughs> long arms. Right. What was his name? Ryan Cook, the guy the Vikings had years ago, who started was he like off six-six. Yeah, he was like a college left tackle or something, and they were like, "No, he projects inside his center for reasons that never made it sense." Well, it's like Joe Tittman from Wisconsin. Everybody's like, "Oh, look, like look at him. He's like a super-sized center." I was like, "Do, do you want that?" Because <laughs> he's going to snap the ball, and one of his major problems is he loses leverage immediately because yeah. he just sits up after he snaps the ball, and he's, I think he's 6'6". Ryan Cook, out of New Mexico, was a six foot six, 325-pound center uh, who I'm pretty sure played tackle in college, and then they decided he was going to play center. Joe Tittman, six foot six, 313 pounds, 80 and 3'8 inch wingspan. He also, I think he played tackle, Joe Timmon played tackle in high school, and he might have played tackle at the beginning of his Wisconsin yeah. career, but it's funny that they ended up at center. Okay, so there's our first three picks yes. out of the way. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Paris Johnson Jr., mm-hmm. the offensive tackle starting. Number four, Indianapolis. I got him taking C.J. Stroud. Um, something that really stood out to me, and this is kind of a coin flip, right? They're going to go to quarterback, but which quarterback are so they are not buying the Levis hype to Indy. It's not that I'm not buying it. I certainly think that that could be an option. I landed on CJ because I think continually throughout the process, Chris Ballard specifically has used the word accuracy when he talks about quarterbacks that he covets. Uh, when it comes to accuracy, I think that Stroud has that 
fundamental baseline. He's got that confidence from the pocket. He's that true pocket passer. They've got a lot of weapons around him, so you're hoping the offensive line's going to be a lot better than it was the previous season. You've got the good running game to lean on. You've got some big and fast receivers that you're building in that receiver room. So I, I, I believe that they could envision themselves plopping C.J. Stroud in and year one perhaps competing for that division because I know Jacksonville is going to be up there as well. Uh, but the Titans, I think, are going to be a major step back again. I don't think the Texans are going to be ready to compete. But I think even after a disappointing last year with the Colts, I think that they believe if they get a guy who they could plop in right away and start right away, they could have a division title and make the playoffs as Stroud. So I think that those reasons kept getting me to him being the choice as well as a couple weeks ago. Maybe I'm looking too far into this, but I believe it was Boward himself who was like, hey, you guys are all talking about the guy that we don't have at the top of our list. Mm. So I'm not even really worried about what you guys are reporting. At the time, that's when Levis started gaining a lot of steam for the Colts. And that's when also people had talked about Anthony Richardson being number four overall after his big combine performance. Nobody was really talking about Stroud. Now at the time, Stroud was also projected to go number one overall. Right. So he wasn't really there available for them at number four. But when he said that, I'm like, okay, is he being like is he being cheeky? And he's like, oh, we're talking about Bryce, and Bryce has no chance of being there at number four. So I'm just kind of like playing with the media a little bit here. Or was there a little bit of truth to it? And CJ Stroud's actually the guy that they want. Maybe it's Stroud. So or there was truth to it that, you know, the buzz was Stroud and they don't have Stroud anywhere. <laughs> well, I, yeah. So here's the right. thing though. Here, like now, the question you asked was, you know, were you looking a little too far into it? I'm going to paint you a different picture of uh, decision-making process for the Indianapolis Colts. What is the one key variable in every decision that's made at the quarterback position for Indy? Old, immobile, washed. No, keep going. Um, Proximity and connections with Peyton Manning. Oh, wow. So what we have to do is wow. Manning Academy. Who's getting endorsed? Right? Wasn't it Will Levis yesterday getting endorsed? Will Levis. Superstar at the Manning Academy. Superstar. C.J. Stroud, according to Brady Quinn, yeah. kind of dissed the Manning Academy. Mm. You know, didn't show, like, hadn't really agreed to go, maybe agreed, bailed on it last minute. Either way, not a big Manning Academy endorsement. Mm. Will Levis, Manning Academy. Mm? You were at the Manning Academy, right? No. That yeah, could be you. No. Could be you. No, that's why I'm not a Colts quarterback right now, or a GM, <laughs> or head coach. That's why. Those three things. Everything else was there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, tool, the, five tool guy. Of you know? course, yeah. All the other stars just didn't have the Manning connection. I really this this is a lot of people say the draft starts at two, um, and certainly it does because of everything that's on the table. But like, I also think that the draft hinges upon what happens at four because it, it's a different board. If C.J. Stroud is the pick here and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson oh, yeah. are still there, as opposed to Will Levis is gone, C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson are the ones that are falling yeah, just I mean, because of the pros and cons that are there with all these quarterbacks. Like the big questions. Obviously, we assume Bryce Young goes number one. And then it's does Houston pick a quarterback? Yes, no. Right? That's a big yeah. That's a big uh, fork in the road for right. the draft. Right. We assume Arizona probably just grabs, you know, I mean – you don't want to call them inconsequential players, but like the first non-quarterback or whatever at that spot. Uh, and then you get which QB does, does Indy pick at four? And that that's another fork in the road. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's definitely a, a massive pivot point in this draft. We've got we've got two opinions in the chat. Manning has lots of sway over Jim Ursay, And then three lines down, Manning has no sway. Manning <laughs> yeah. hates Ursay. There it is, folks. Yeah. That's draft day in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and lean on the – 
former part of that. I don't, I don't think that. No, it doesn't fit my narrative. So I'm going to go with. Uh, I think it's Scott. I think. I think that uh, Peyton Manning could essentially, if you know, the way you get like a presidential endorsement. If Peyton Manning walked up and go, this guy has my vote. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter who it is. Like if it was Stetson Bennett, they draft him at four overall. I hope not. <laughs> All I right. sure hope not. Seattle Seahawks, number five. I have him going Jalen Carter. Um, a lot of people think that Anthony Richardson could be a selection here at number five. Mm-hmm. I say no. I And I, I get that it's still a possibility because Seattle is hoping that they don't pick this high again, right? Even if you don't love this quarterback class. Yeah. Next year's, if you think that it's going to be better, you're hoping that you're not selecting this high if you're Seattle. You hope you're playing a lot better. Geno Smith's contract, we've talked about it. It's a three-year deal, but it's really just a one-year deal, and then it gets a lot more flexible. If you draft a quarterback this year, he doesn't have to play. Maybe you move on from Geno, but maybe you don't move on from Geno. I think that's the thing. Like People are dismissing Geno too much. Geno was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this past season. He was one of our highest graded guys. He had one of the highest big time throws, I believe, wasn't it? He was right behind Josh Allen, I think, for most big time throws yeah. this this year. And so, like, I mean, what if Geno plays really well? And and you could say that you could trade the quarterback if that's the case, and that's probably a best case scenario for you, because then you just got two quarterbacks that you really like. But I do ultimately believe that they are still a team that, that would take a chance on on guys who may be a little bit questionable off the field because they've done it before. I know they got burned with um, Malik McDowell, and people point to that, and they say, okay, well, they're probably going to stay away from it then. I don't know, man. If it checks out with Jalen Carter, this is still a team in an organization that believes heavily in themselves and their culture to get the most out of a guy like that. And everybody you talk to goes, on the field, best player in the draft. Yeah. And I think for Seattle to get that player at number five, they would do that. The – the Seattle pick at five, the Detroit pick at six are really interesting because obviously they're both kind of bonus selections. You know, they're the, they're the picks they got via trade. They're mm-hmm. not their own one. Um, and consequently, they're also picks that put both teams way higher in the draft than they should be in normal circumstances. So I think for each team, and neither one of those teams has like the guy at quarterback, right? You've got Jared Goff, who's been up and down and, and good for the Lions, but it's not like anybody's 100% sold on Goff being a superstar or Geno Smith, who played really well last year. We don't really know what that's going to look like going forward. So, like, neither one has, you know, Joe Burrow locked up. Um, so the temptation for both those teams at five or six to be in the quarterback market, I think, has got to be there, right? Because neither one of them expects to be there next year. Neither one of those teams expects to be picking in the top ten a year right, from now. They right. shouldn't be there now but they are because they have the extra first-round pick. So depending on the quarterback available, I think each of those teams, Seattle and Detroit, has to be tempted by one of those QBs. And in particular, Richardson, I think, who's like the project guy. He's like, look, we don't need a quarterback now. It's an ideal scenario. But we, we have the ability to take one, to have him sit, to develop. And if we hit the payoff... It's it's a jackpot we're not capable of getting to otherwise. Right. No, I agree. The the Carter thing, I think, is a very common pick for Seattle. Fascinatingly, though, like Seahawks sort of media appears to be divided right down the middle of the line between like 100% convinced it will be the pick and like convinced they would never take Carter. Like he's off the board, essentially. They'd, they'd never grab him. Like there's no middle ground of, well, maybe. It's like, yes, hard yes or hard no. Well, that's 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 kind of Jalen Carter, right? Because yeah. that's why a lot of these teams bring him in. 
if Jalen Carter is on the board for you at all, he's going to be one of the top three prospects in this class. For a lot of people, yeah. he's probably going to be number one. If the character off the field stuff checks out with Carter, there's no risk anywhere else. Right. He's unbelievable. Like if it, Because when I say character, I think that you could even rope into some of the conditioning concerns. Why didn't he play more snaps? Uh, why didn't he look more ready for the pro day? Like all this stuff. I'm talking about all that. If all of that checks out for you, this guy's probably the number one talent on your big board. So that's why it's like those are really the only two options. Yeah. Either he's no question about it going to be the top player on their board by the time they get to number five, or he's not going to be on the board at all because he didn't pass their off the field test. So I could see that being the case. Okay, what are Detroit doing at number six? Uh, it's Will Anderson or Devon Witherspoon to me. Um, I suppose there's a reality that exists where Will Anderson goes two, Devon Witherspoon goes three, and then you go, okay, well, what are the Lions going to do at six? Because it's just those are the two players that we've locked into them the whole time. Um, maybe at that point they go quarterback, but I think that they'd probably look at Christian Gonzalez, um, maybe Tyree Wilson at that point at number six. So I have them going with Devon Witherspoon if – if Witherspoon makes to six, the only player who I think is above their big, above him on their big board is going to be Will Anderson. I think, realistically. Yeah. I, I don't think, from everything that I've heard from people that cover the Lions, I don't think that they're in on Jalen Carter. I think they're one of those teams that's like, nope, we'll let somebody else take him. Um, and with Spoon there, he's just the type of player that they would want, especially with Jeff Okuda now out the door. Yeah. You get Witherspoon in there, and he's a plug-and-play guy for you. Definitely a perfect fit for that defense. Perfect fit the way he plays attitude-wise. I, I do think it's interesting. Like, the moves they made in free agency, I think, um, mean they don't need to make this pick. Like, before free agency, this was still a popular pick, but it was more like they desperately need a corner, and he's the top corner. Therefore, Devin Witherspoon at number six makes sense. Now, they don't desperately need it anymore, even with trading away uh, Jeffrey Akuda. So I don't know that they need to force it. Um, but... You, I don't think this is a force, though. This, well, this, yeah. is, like a, this is like a culture fit more than anything right. else. Right, but it me. does come down. It gives them the freedom, I think, to essentially say, what do we think of Anthony Richardson? Like, sure. Do we believe that I this guy— I heard a lot of that. Yeah, but that's that I think— I agree with you that that kind of has to be the only conversation they can be having at this point. Like, mm -hmm. if we're not taking Witherspoon, it's because we love Richardson and think that next year he can be amazing. Right. And if it's not that, if we don't buy into Richardson— like, where else would you go with this pick? Yeah. Basically just, like I said, it's Anderson and Witherspoon, probably one, two. Maybe you throw the quarterback question in there. But other than that, there's still two great players along the same lines in Tyree Wilson or Christian Gonzalez that I think that they would pick. Seven, Las Vegas Raiders. I So in this scenario, we have both Will Levis and Anthony Richardson still on the board. Yep. I think Las Vegas is done with quarterback. I I don't I don't think I, I it feels as though Vegas was maybe in a situation to where they liked Bryce a lot. Maybe they still like CJ. I just haven't heard a ton of buzz around it. But I I almost think they're just in this place now where they go, we're comfortable with Jimmy G. Like we're comfortable with it. We'll go into next year's draft, and if we want to hit on quarterback, we'll get aggressive for one of those quarterbacks. It just doesn't seem like they love any of these guys. Because if they did, one, I feel like we would have heard a lot more competitive of a deal for them to jump up to number one overall. And we sort of heard that, but not really. 
and then number three becomes available, number three is still available with the with the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And unless they're just keeping everything super tight-lipped, again, have not heard anything. I kind of wonder, though, with number three, like, it, it's sort of contingent on Houston. Are right? they going to wait to see what happens at two? Yeah. Sure. Like, you can't, you can't make that deal now, and then Houston takes the guy you wanted— because we don't know what the Texans are doing. It sounds like maybe they're not going to take a QB and they'll they'll make that open. But like until they do, you can't be like, let's jump to to number three, get the second QB, and then the Texans grab him. You're like, oh crap! Now we just gave up. And we're we're sitting here. I'll, I'll admit this too. We're sitting here with Arizona still having the number three overall pick. They yeah. didn't move on from it. We talk. We've talked so much about that being a major trade point for them. And the feeling around it right now is that they have not gotten the deal that they have wanted. Hmm. I believe that the deal that they want or the deal that they would take does change in price after Houston picks it too. Yeah. Whether that price goes up or whether that price goes down. So there is still a realistic possibility that Arizona is not picking a number. Yes. I don't think they can get the trade they want until a team is satisfied that the Texans are not drafting their quarterback. But it just doesn't sound like the Raiders are going to be one of those teams that get super desperate. So I think it's offensive line or corner, all that being said. Uh, They've done a ton of homework on the cornerback class throughout this draft process. We know they need offensive line as well. Um Peter Skaronsky or Christian Gonzalez, the one of the two guys that are on the board. I went with Christian Gonzalez. That feels like the area where they are most connected with the cornerback class, either going Devon Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Witherspoon off the board one pick earlier. Gonzalez is their guy here in this mock. Okay. I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm lower on Gonzalez than most people, but from a predictive standpoint, I could definitely see the Raiders being enamored by him, or in fact, any NFL team being enamored by him and grabbing him there. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Beat John Robinson. Wow. Running back from Texas. So, uh, like I said at the at the beginning of this show, ultimately, I think the Falcons would love to trade back. I think the Falcons are trying to trade back. They're not trying to trade back too far, but I believe they want to move back for one of two reasons. The first reason, I think, is they want more draft capital. I think they would like to move back outside of the top 10, get some extra either day two draft capital, day three draft capital, or a combination of the two to then have the ammunition to move up from number 44 in the second round back up into the first round, potentially pick twice in the first round, get the offensive player that they want in Bijan Robinson outside of the top 10, and then move back up for a defensive player, maybe an edge rusher to get on top of that tier two, tier three, whatever you want to call it of edge rushers in the back end of the first round. That's what I think Atlanta's plan is going to be. And the second part of that is simply they get to pick the offensive player they want, but they don't have to answer the questions about drafting a running back within the top 10. Now, I don't think that's going to stop them if they can't get a trade. This is a team that picked a tight end at number four Mm -hmm. in Kyle Pitts, right? Picked a wide receiver at number eight in a deep wide receiver draft last year. They clearly don't care they clearly are like if this is the guy that we think is going to be the best player for our football team and be an impact ball player we're going to draft him and so if they think that of Bijan robinson i don't have any reservations about them taking him in the top 10 at number eight but i think they would prefer to do it a little bit further down the order in a trade down um and you wouldn't have them they that's the best connection to me for a place that anthony richardson could land i want to see richardson in that offense I would too. It just doesn't sound like they're going to do it. God damn it. 
sounds like it sounds like fan fiction. <sighs> I want it to happen. I do I too. I want it to happen. Be awesome. Be awesome. The Bijan Robinson thing. This is as high as I think you can justify Bijan Robinson. Like, you know, the, right. you said Jalen Carter is probably the number one player from a talent standpoint on most people's boards. Number two might be Bijan Robinson, and he might be number one on some boards. Like, he might be the best player in the draft, but he's a running back. So we've talked, you know, extensively about how, how high you can justify drafting a running back. It's a good running back draft as well, so that doesn't help him. But this, I think, is as high as you can go where you can make the case that it makes sense from a what he can add to this offense point of view, from a opportunity cost point of view, from a contract point of view. This is as high as you go. Eight. I agree. I think you can also make the case at 10, but then after that, you probably slip a little bit. That's the interesting part of all this, is I think the Falcons want to move back. It's been reported the Eagles also like Bijan. Now, it would be against the way that the Eagles have built their dynasty to take a running back at 10, but it's almost like being very financially responsible for a long time and then splurging a little bit on something, right? You've you've done what you've needed to do to put yourself in a good position to allow yourself to have this luxury to maybe splurge a little bit where normally you would not. Is that how the Eagles view Bijan Robinson, or are they going to stick to their guns and say, no, 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 high-value position players only, with our premium position picks because that's how they got to this point. But for the Falcons, their intel on the Eagles is going to be important of whether or not they trade back. Because if the Falcons really do want Bijan Robinson above anybody else, it is a risk trading past number 10. Yeah, and we're also in this world now. This this draft is going to be really interesting because I think a lot of teams are going to want to trade and trade in yes. both directions sometimes. Like, I think most of the time teams are going to want to trade back. Like, half the first round, the back half of the first round, almost the entirety of it, I think, wants to get the hell out of there because there's, like, 15 players with the first round grade in this draft, and if you're picking after 15, you're probably not getting one of those. So either you're going to draft your version of Cole Strange, where you're like, he's the top guy on our board, screw it, or you want the hell out of there and you want whatever else you pick up along the way. But the problem with that is you're going to need the dance partner, like who who wants to trade up? And I think you're going to get a couple in the first round where, you know, maybe a, a Kansas City or a Cincinnati or whoever wants to trade up to snag like the last of a certain position group, right? Tackle. We can get the last tackle before the drop-off or mm-hmm. the last corner before the drop-off or whatever that looks like. You might get a couple of those. But after that, it's like I don't, I don't see the trade partner for a lot of these teams. So – I feel like you're going to get a lot of picks that are weird because yeah. a team wants to trade back, but they right. can't. So they're just stuck with taking the best guy on their board. Teams that I think in the first round that would be looking to trade back. Falcons at eight, Bears at nine. Um, you don't think the Bears would be happy with the options at nine? Like, I, th- I think that they would be, but I think that they would, I think they would trade down again. Okay. I do. Um Ravens at 22, 100%. Minnesota Vikings at 23. Those are two teams that only have five picks in the draft right now. Yeah. I've also heard Buffalo Bills are a team that could be a, a big-time trade-down candidate. Teams that I think would be aggressive to look to trade up, Kansas City Chiefs at 31, the Saints at 29, the Steelers at 17, and the Patriots at 14, the Texans at 12. And I guess the Tennessee Titans as well. You got to throw the Tennessee yeah. Titans in there at 11. Those are the teams that I think are going to be aggressive. And I think those are the teams that would trade back. 
don't uh, overlook the possibility of Jerry Jones deciding to trade up as well. Oh, Cowboys could be on there as well. <laughs> That's true. They're always uh, in there. Okay, Chicago, number nine. Where do they go? If Tyree Wilson makes it down here, uh, Paris Johnson Jr. is off the board. I feel like Tyree Wilson is going to be the pick for him. Uh, it's got to be something along the trenches, offensive tackle or edge rusher. Um, I know they've been doing work on Nolan Smith. I'd pick Nolan Smith above Tyree Wilson, but Chicago and size thresholds has been a big talking point throughout this offseason. Right? It's a big reason why I didn't have Peter Skaronsky going number nine. I think yeah. Peter Skaronsky would be perfect for the Chicago Bears, but it just there's been too much pushback from people who cover the team a little bit closer than I do that are like, yeah, he's just small. I don't know if they're going to pick him. What if he's a guard for them? Well, that's the thing, too. Are you going to pick a guard at nine? I don't know, because they have Tevin Jenkins. Do they believe that Tevin Jenkins is already their tackle guard convert? Because if that's the case, are you going to get two of those guys? And you still got a hole at right tackle. So Skaronsky and Nolan Smith on the board for the Bears, but I think they ultimately pass on him just because of size. If Paris Johnson Jr. was here, I think that they'd certainly be into that. Maybe Darnell Wright could be somebody at number nine, but I've, I've only really heard that buzz from sports books. I haven't really heard that from anybody else. Right. He's just, I think, the Vegas favorite right now to go number nine. And I ultimately ended on Tyree because if he makes it to nine, I think that he could he could be the Bears' choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, number 10, Philadelphia Eagles, their first pick. Nolan Smith said himself that uh, the two teams that have done the most work on him that he has been in contact with the most are the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think the Eagles are, again, just like the Bears, a team that would consider Peter Skaronsky and Nolan Smith, but I think a little bit more seriously with both of those players. Ultimately, I landed on Nolan. Um, I think when you look at, again, positional value of how the Eagles have drafted, you could say, look at Skaronsky. He could step in at guard right away. He could play next to Travis Kelsey, not Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey and um, uh, Landon Dickerson, and that offensive line could just be as solid as it was last year with Skronsky stepping right in. But if they believe he's a guard, they don't really draft guards that high, certainly not number 10 overall. So he'd have to be a really damn good guard, and a guy that they think is a guard now will be a tackle when Lane Johnson retires. That's right. how they would have to view him. But if they only view him as a guard, I don't think they're going to take him at 10. Instead, I think they're going to take the edge rusher, Nolan Smith, a player that we often comp him to, is Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is still with the Eagles. Perfect style comparison for him to get better as a pass rusher in the early parts of his career. Perfect uh, landing spot, too, in terms of rotation. And like they're not going to suddenly ask him to play two or three times the number of snaps he plays in a season that could happen if he goes somewhere else. Like, there are going to be teams that don't rotate their edge rushers nearly as much who are going to say, okay, Nolan Smith, that 350 snaps a year you were playing, that's great. I'm going to need twice that mm-hmm. this year. Uh, the Eagles don't. Like, he would do it, though. Oh, sure. But, but you know, we have no idea what that looks like <laughs> when you do. He played to his dying breath. Yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> like, who the hell knows how well he's going to play once he's doubling his workload. Right. Whereas the Eagles can effectively say – play however much you need to and we'll, we're good that's yep. fine so i think that's a great landing spot for nolan smith number 11 tennessee titans i got him going anthony richardson richardson's still on the board i, I mentioned it tennessee's a team that could definitely trade up i don't know how far they trade up though you know like I, if people have said oh you know the titans they've really been looking around they're a team that can be super aggressive this roster overachieved the last two years last three years i think this roster overachieved and now the roster is worse on paper than what it was when they overachieved the last couple of years. Anthony Richardson in the same backfield with Derrick Henry, yeah. fun as hell, right? I mean, extremely <laughs> imposing. 
Does that make the Titans a favorite to win the division? No, I still think that that keeps the Titans firmly third in that division. So does CJ Stroud make that team a division winner? No, I still think that they're firmly third in the division if that's the case. So unless you really believe that the long-term for both of those guys really slingshots what you're going to do, is Rand Carthen in his first draft as general manager going to give up multiple years of future draft assets to get up to go get one of the quarterbacks kind of at the top of the draft? I don't know. Now, if Richardson makes it to eight, and again, the Falcons call him, say, hey, we're looking to move back to 11. All you got to do is pop up three spots. You can go get yourself Anthony Richardson. You gotta, don't got to worry about it. Maybe they do that. Maybe it's for C.J. Stroud if C.J. Stroud is falling. That's a reality that I could see. But ultimately, I don't see him getting extremely aggressive going all the way up to number three. I think they, that'd be a little rich for an ask of a, of a first-year general manager, knowing what they would probably have to give up to go get a quarterback. So instead, I got them sticking at, at number 11 with the AR. I think all these kind of, you know, how high would they trade up type uh, moves, it's all contingent on what teams think of this quarterback class. Like, if you do buy into any of these guys, you can make as aggressive a move as you want to, right? There's almost nothing off the table at that point. But if you don't, then you're not going to be doing anything crazy. Maybe you might trade up a couple of spots just because you need a quarterback, but you're not going to be going nuts on it. So, yeah, like Richardson... Richardson to Tennessee would be interesting. That be fun because they've also been like you never have to run the ball in Madden. <laughs> they've they've just, also you just RPO the other team and the final score would be just like seventeen to fourteen. Right. They've also been like hovering over this reset button for like the entire you know off season. Yeah. And it's like what does what does Richardson even do in terms of that? Is that a move to be contenders right away again? I also wonder. How much does the Malik Willis pick last year go into it? And, and I don't think that they're letting Malik keep them from pick a quarter, picking a quarterback. That's not what I mean. In fact, I mean the opposite. They sat back in last year's draft. And granted, it was with John Robinson as their general manager. He's not the general manager anymore. Right. But they sat back in last year's draft. They lost A.J. Brown in, it, during, during draft week last, last year. They tried to replace him with Traylon Burks. They pick a quarterback in the third round just to take a flyer on him. I wonder if Rabel's sitting in that building going, we're not letting the draft come to us at quarterback. Like, if we need a quarterback, we're going to get one. We're going to get our guy. And that's what... That is something that I continue to think about of how aggressive are the Titans going to be. Did what happened with Malik Willis where they were just like, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, like, let him fall to us. He fell to us. We took him, and now we don't like him at all. Yeah. Like, I wonder if it's just like, we're not letting that happen again. I'm not doing that. Not a quarterback. Just a thought. Yeah, I mean, Richardson, the, the Titans, I think, is another offense where Richardson fits well. Like, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they can they can create an offense that props him up for a year or two while he develops and, and figure out what he can be as a, a passer going forward. So from that point of view, I like it. Um it would be a really interesting dynamic, though, how that entire Tennessee offense would be would go forward next year and sort of how quickly they expect to contend, how quickly they expect to be good. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, okay, Houston's second pick, number 12 overall. Will Levis. So, uh, again, when we were talking to number two, I mentioned that I do think that the, the love for Levis is real. A, a lot of people who cover the Houston Texans very closely have Will Levis. Um, going to te- the, the Texans one way or the so other. He, yeah, he's the betting favorite now to be the number two overall pick, right? But I don't think that the—so the his odds obviously 
shortened dramatically to become that second overall pick. But I don't think his odds to the Texans change that much. Like, I think a lot of it is the idea that somebody else might have that pick and pick Levis. At two? Yes. Oh. I don't know about all that. (laughs) But, no, I I think that at the end of the night, it's a strong bet that Will Levis is going to be a Houston Texan. I just don't know where it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be at two. I don't know if it's going to be at eight. I don't know if it's going to be at 12, nine. I I don't know. I don't know where it's going to be. But I feel pretty confidently about this one. As confidently as you could be in a mock draft simulation. But I, I, I think that the love around him is real. I think they like him a lot. Okay. All right. Houston, so PFF Bobby gets his quarterback, and it's Will Levis. There you go. That's fascinating. There you go. That would be an interesting pairing as well because, you know, we've got TikTok superstar Will Levis with the mayo and the coffee and the bananas eating whole and all that kind of stuff with Bobby, who I'm going to go out on a limb and say Bobby's not on TikTok. That's, that's, that's about as, as much as I think you can say about that. That's, that's an interesting pairing. Uh, Green Bay, now at pick number 13, having traded with the New York Jets, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that was the swap of picks, 15 to 13. So the Packers are 13. Where are they going? I don't know what the hell the Packers are going to do. <laughs> I, I think that this pick, they, there's here's my thought process here with the Packers, okay? A lot of people wanted to pick Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. If they pack, pick Jackson Smith and Jigba, it'll go against, it feels like, all of their thresholds that they have had throughout drafts of the Gutenkunz era. He is a 30 percentile height, weight, measurable guy. He's a, I think, ninth percentile arm length or something around 10, 10 percentile arm length kind of a guy. Not really that explosive, super small hands. He's quick, but he's not fast in a straight line. He's not like a vertical threat guy. Mm-hmm. That, that describes in no way <laughs> a Green Bay Packer first round draft pick, especially in the top 15. And so if they pick Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'm not even saying that that would be a bad pick, I would like JSN in this offense, objectively. But it just goes against all of the draft trends that we have seen from the Green Bay Packers. Dalton Kincaid makes mm, sense for them. Love that. Big receiver, tight end. They need a tight end. Okay. He gives you the size profile. He yep. gives you the athletic profile. I think he would hit all their thresholds. Here's my thing about that. They just made the Aaron Rodgers trade happen. I think they did that. One, not only to... to get it done, but move from 15 to 13 for a specific reason and to get the extra second round pick to make sure it's done. I think they got the extra second round pick because this tight end class is deep. And because with that second round pick that they got from the Jets, one of Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta, Tuck, uh, Tucker Craft, one of those guys you think is going to be on the board probably for them in the second round. And I think they know that. So I don't think they believe that they have to pick a tight end at 13 as much as I would again objectively like it from a football standpoint okay instead i think it comes down to one of two positions edge rusher or offensive tackle there's basically two players that i think are going to fit their profile that they, that they would like darnell wright the offensive tackle from tennessee miles murphy the edge rusher from clemson i landed on miles murphy you convinced me of darnell wright maybe you could convince me of lucas van ness but I just think it's going to be edge rusher or offensive tackle. That's the way the Packers have operated. I mean, Miles Murphy feels like to them, like just running back the Rashawn Gary pick. Like it's, he's right. That's the comp, like a guy that's got all the physical tools in the world. And Gary is good now. Yeah. Yeah. Never really put it together in college. Always sort of threatened to had more hype maybe than production. 
and then they take him reasonably high. It's going to take a little bit of time, but then he really goes off. Like, and, and Rashawn Gary is amazing right now. Like, that's that's the pathway that Miles Murphy needs to tread in the NFL. So for Green Bay to basically run it back again a couple of years later makes a lot of sense. I would agree. All right. Pick number 14, New England Patriots. Um, Trying to get in the mind of general manager and draft a decision-maker Bill Belichick is very difficult. Yeah. If Peter Skronsky got on the board, I think he's got to be their guy, right? Offensive line, a major need for this New England Patriots team. Skronsky can be an all-pro guard for you, or he could be a starting caliber tackle for you. Whatever the Patriots need him to be, need him to be. I think, and that, I think that that could be different every single year, honestly. And I think Belichick would love that. So Skronsky is on the board here at fourteen. I think he's the pick. They could use a bigger, longer corner. And we got a couple on the board. We got Deontay Banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Joey Porter Jr. We got Emmanuel Forbes. Those guys are on the board, but trenches. Yeah. It's it feels thought. like corner is a much more acute need for them than offensive line. Like, people keep talking about this offensive line as, like, a really desperate situation. It could be good. It isn't. It I mean, could be good. It it could be better. Sure. But it it's not be, like, I mean, there's better. a lot worse offensive lines in the NFL than the New England Patriots offensive line. Which If, if they play better, yeah. If they play better, yeah. I like, agree. Riley Reef is probably the weakest link on that group right now. And Riley Reef is like the poster child for rank average offensive line play throughout his NFL career. Now, okay, he's getting older and therefore that baseline is getting lower. But if Riley Reef is your problem spot, your line isn't terrible. There are teams out there where Riley Reef might be the best player on the line. Like, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Whereas corner, like, we've got Jonathan Jones, who they brought back, Jalen Mills still, Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones, the, the Joneses, all of them still. It's like that's a problematic group. I agree, and that's why. I think it's corner or offensive line. But I think I think Bill would love Skronsky. That's just my take. Yeah, I mean, he's a very – that makes sense as a Patriots player. I yes. just feel like – Corners, corners high. Yeah. Corners, corners high. I'm also never certain whether the Patriots, they do draft for need at times, but it's not like a religious, like there are teams that the Saints, like they will draft their biggest need every single year. Uh, the Patriots don't do that, but they do target need quite a bit. New York Jets pick number 15, having dropped back two spots. I got three players that I think are on the board here. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba has been a name that's been hot lately for the Jets. Um, Broderick Jones has been the common name, the offensive tackle from Georgia. And then Kalijah Kansi feels like the wild card, Ooh. right? Getting back, getting more backfield production, getting to pair Kansi with Quinn and Williams. You know, if you're thinking that Quinn is going to command double teams because of how disruptive that he has become in the NFL, well, then you get Kansi right next to him, getting a lot more one-on-ones. He'd get fast with these guys right into their face and right by him. And so that might be a deadly one-two combo there. With um, with Quinn and Williams and and, and Kalijah Kansi, even if he's just a rotational guy, I think for where the Jets are going, for where they want to be, they want a deep pass rush rotation, especially with guys on the interior. So I think it's still three players, but ultimately I ended I ended on Broderick Jones because in theory they've got good offensive linemen, right? They mm-hmm. have Dwayne Brown, they have Mackay Becton, they have Max Mitchell, who they could play at offensive tackle. But Brown is, I think, almost forty, right? Yeah. Makai Becton has been habitually injured, and Max Mitchell is not a proven starter at tackle at the NFL level. You're telling me you want to go into this season, maybe your only season with Aaron Rodgers, hinging upon two of those three guys hitting? I wouldn't. How much input do you think Aaron Rodgers has into this? 
It's obviously one of the big narratives in Green Bay is that they never consulted him about anything. If Aaron Rodgers has input, do you think it would be JSN or an offensive lineman, though? I feel like he would want a weapon more than— I think he would than, want a weapon, too. Yeah, more than protection. Yeah. I think quarterbacks generally but feel that short, way. But I think it's short-sighted, again. Sure, like, but, like, I, but, I mean, you know, they, they threw a pretty sizable chunk of money at Alan Lazard just to be like, hey, Aaron. No, you I know? know, I know. Now I, it's like, I still think it's got to be offensive line. For them to look at their current depth chart and look at it through rose-colored glasses and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll work with any of those guys, it'd be kind of foolish to, oh, I think, to do that. I think that's the better move. But I think if it's like what would make Aaron happiest, you know, the team, we, we take him away from the team that spent the last several years, oh, sure. like, pointedly right. avoiding drafting right. him skill right. position players in the first round, like, the first thing we do is give him one of those guys. Give him the number one wide receiver in the draft. That's like the first thing we do to set out the stall to say, Aaron, we love you in a way Green Bay never did. I can see that happening. The comment, somebody in the comments, Red said, Stetson Bennett is a story just waiting to be written. There you go. What story? That's what I'm saying. He didn't say it was a good story, though. Look. It could have been a bad story. I kind of love Stetson Bennett. I hate myself for Where? In the draft. Not high. <laughs> Not high, but... Number four to the Colts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Manning Academy? Manning Academy, yeah. Well, only once Manning endorses him. Once you get the official Manning right. endorsement, then then yeah. But after that, fifth round. I would also draft Stetson Bennett, for what it's worth. I, we, we talked about this yesterday with Tresh, and it's like you got the four quarterbacks that are the big four because mm-hmm. they're the ones that have obvious starting potential. You can make that case for Hendon Hooker as well. And then you're basically done with guys that you think could be starters down the line. But... If I'm looking at the rest of the draft and I'm like, give me one guy that in three years' time from nowhere ended up actually being a baller and a starter, I think Stetson Bennett would be my dude. Oh, man. I mean, he's probably the guy you bet on. I'm just saying, if we get, again, you fast forward three years and somebody goes, hey, actually, this pro bowler is Stetson Bennett, and you're like, yeah, I can see it. Whereas if somebody told you that for like, I don't know. I don't think. It's I mean, if somebody told me that Tanner McKee was a Pro Bowler in three years' time, I'd be like, "Get the hell out of here! That's never happening." No. Whereas if somebody told you with Seth and Bennett, be like, "Shut up, yeah, yeah, Mike." I get it. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mike. Man, <laughs> man leaves the building. We drop him like sixty <laughs> spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we did for everybody out there. Mike handles a lot of the big board. We handled a lot of the big board responsibilities, and so like Tanner McKee was obviously pretty high on our rankings for a long 30 time. Thirty second or something. And then insane. Mike, and then like Mike, Mike left last week was his last week at PFF. Yeah. And then me, you, and Steve handled the consensus big board responsibilities. Well, no, because because Mike had it as well. So it was the four boards put together. <laughs> so, but for the first time, it was other boards in addition to Mike's board combined. To, like, create a consensus. Where did we have him? So the people that... It was, like, 80s? The people that Mike was, you know, wildly off on his own about have have been have modified been a little bit. Dropped a little bit. Uh, let me find him. i got to fire up a... Hey, a you know what? Draft. If Tanner McKee becomes a pro bowler... Dude, my, that's, like, Mike's bragging rights for the next decade if that happens. Yeah. Like, kudos to him. Right. If Tanner McKee ends up being a guy, Mike has one of the greatest, like, told-you-so moments of all time. Okay, Tanner McKee is currently 81st on the, uh, the the PFF big board, having been, I think, 32nd. I 81st is, I'm a lot more comfortable at 81st. Uh, it's funny, and I think this is, let me see, is it 12? 12, 12? No, it's not, actually. Uh, I thought we were going to see a thing where, you know, the, it shows you the draft trends. 
based off where people have been drafting the guy in the mock draft sim. If mm-hmm. you go to the 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 trends page, yeah. yeah. So I was, I, well, I was expecting to see it just like drop off a cliff when we moved him down fifty spots on the yeah. big board. It moves down, but it turns out the people were already drafting him quite low. They were ignoring Mike's ranking. Like I said, if he's a pro bowler, Mike in victory lap. Absolutely. This very desk. Anyway, that's a long way around to saying Stetson Bennett's a baller and people should draft him. Yeah, that's Um, how we got there, actually. Broderick Jones, 15 to the New York Jets. Number 16, Washington Commanders. Uh, I'm going to go Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher from Iowa. I I do think there is going to be a ripple effect for the Commanders not picking up Chase Young's fifth-year option. Now, I'm not sure that that means that there's going to be an immediate trade of him. Some people talk about him as a potential trade piece for this weekend when the draft begins but i don't know about all that however even if he doesn't get traded they've given they've already invested a lot of money in their in their defensive line with john allen and deron Payne, so they're tied to a lot of their interior defensive line guys montez sweat and chase young are now both free agents upcoming for next off season if both of them ball out you can't keep both of them if one of them balls out you keep the one that does if neither of them ball out Neither of them are on the team. To me, there's no reality in which both of those players are on the Washington Commanders starting roster in 2024. I think they know that. Right. I think they're going to draft an edge rusher, start to groom them, make sure that they're ready year two to be a starter. Lucas Van Ness. Okay. I I get that. I think Washington, to me, is either in on the offensive line or edge rusher. Maybe corner. I think they need on. corner and offensive line, too. We've talked about them for a, lot, a yeah. long time there. But with, with the Chase Young news, and maybe it's not new new to them, but it's new to us, and right. I think that edge rusher skyrockets up to the top of the list. They're one of the few teams um, sitting in this draft where I think they're almost certainly happy regardless of what happens. Like, they feel to be in the perfect spot of yep. a, a position of value and need yep. is going to be sitting there and maybe multiple options of that spot. I think Washington's actually really happy where they're sitting in this draft. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at the rest of their depth chart. James Williams-Smith, F.A. Obata, Casey Tuhill, Will King-Bradley. I mean, th- these are these are their depth guys that are even, like, the second-string edge rushers. There's nobody that I think you would project as a starter. So I, I think they're going to go edge rusher, especially if Van Ness is available. Yep. Uh, Pittsburgh, number 17. Uh, this is one of those teams that I mentioned being aggressive. I think it's going to be for an offensive lineman. I think they'd love to get themselves Paris Johnson Jr., but I don't believe the slide is going to happen long enough for them to be able to trade up to get him. I don't think they're going to be able to get from 17 to 3. I think realistically they'd get from 17 maybe to 9, maybe to 8, but that's that's a that's a big trade there. Instead, I think they could stay at 17 and still get a good offensive tackle, and here I got them going Darnell right the offensive tackle from Tennessee. Who's the guy you think they would be targeting if they're getting aggressive and trading up? Paris Johnson. Because I've heard— That's what I think. I've heard talk that they would be going after Jalen Carter. I mean, again, teams that have the culture— for you to be a little less worried about Jalen Carter, right. Steelers are very high on the list. Yeah. So if they like him a lot, sure. If he starts, but again, if if Carter's floor is five and six, yeah. Steelers aren't going to be able to get him. You're only trading up for Carter if he gets probably outside of the top ten. Probably, unless you know five or six, that spot we talked about where you know the the luxury sort of bonus pick. You know, if Seattle or Detroit instead decides to parlay that into a trade down. Like, hey, we shouldn't be here anyway. Let's pick up extra draft capital and grab a guy in the mid-teens. And what the hell? Like, it's all bonus. It's all house money. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen many mocks suggest that either of those teams would trade back. But 
they would be interesting trade back candidates given you know they're not supposed to be there in the first place indeed uh pick number 18 detroit second pick i get Kalai jacansi dude love that i don't know where they're gonna go here i really don't i think there's a handful of directions i think the tight end should be on the table even though fans are like why would you trade hawkins if you were gonna draft the tight end well it's because you don't want to pay you want to pay hawkinson Right, and maybe they didn't think Hawkinson was a fit. Right, they might think Darnell Washington's a fit. They might think that Dalton Kincaid's a fit. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, Michael Mayer, same thing. If you draft one of those tight ends, you've got them on a rookie deal with a fifth-year option, and they get to be a part of your offense right now. And then when the wide receivers who were suspended come back, guess what? They still get to be a part of your offense. It's not like one takes away from the other. Right. So it just seems like Lions fans, whenever we put tight ends here, they don't like it because of the Hawkinson deal. <laughs> They're like, why would you trade away a tight end just to get a tight end? Which because you don't want to pay him. Well, people do that all the time. Right. I mean, teams do that all the time. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's really it, it's smart, especially for a guy who was committing a lot of money. So I still think that that's on the table. Hey, Brian Branch could also be on the table here, although doubling up on corner, I don't know about that. That's what kind of swayed me away from this. And instead, I went with Elijah Cansey, uh, which is somebody who I think Dan Campbell's going to love the fire that this guy plays with, how much confidence he plays with as a 280 player, and what his backfield production was at Pittsburgh. Where do you think? Where does Kali, where's Kansi on your big board? I think I had him like 25-ish. I think maybe he's like 24, 23. I think he's a top 10 player in this draft. Uh, see, there's... Not, a, not any draft, this draft. So, so that's why I am definitely worried about the weight. Yeah. I am. Because even a successful Kali Jakansi might just be a situational player. And if he's just a situational player, where are you okay drafting that? Typically... Probably somewhere, if they're really good back into the first round, but probably somewhere on day two is what you're comfortable with. However, like you mentioned, in this class, what Kansi can possibly give you, that's worth being a little bit higher. That's why I still ended up having him as a top 25 player, even though I am worried about how much usage you can get out of this guy. Can you play him on first and second down? Or is he just more of a situational probably always a third down guy a heavy rotational guy but never really a guy that you're going to be able to play all game long say in the fourth quarter when you need it most I, I don't know I don't know I have a little bit of doubts about that but in terms of the high-end ability and him getting into the backfield he's fun as hell I think the only like the only downs you don't want him on the field for are like obvious rundown situations which are so freak infrequent in today's NFL mm-hmm. like he can play on in neutral situations he can play obviously in obvious pass down situations he can even play in like jumbo formations on the goal line you just probably have him on the edge instead of right in the middle where sure. he'll get driven back sure. by a double team yeah. but like the number of plays where you really don't want him exposed to a true double team in the middle I, I just don't think that's that high and offset that versus what he can do as a disruptive backfield presence and a guy that is in your backfield the entire time, whether you're playing run or pass, in this draft where, like, everybody's got warts, I just think that guy's being overlooked a little bit for, by a lot of people. So love the fit at number 18 to Fun. Detroit. Uh, number 19, Tampa Bay. Move on from Donovan Smith, long time left tackle. Don't really have anybody at left tackle to plug and play right away. They signed Matt Filer, who could play – uh, tackle for you, depending on you know whether he's going to be right tackle, whether Tristan Wirfs moves over to left, or, or what ends up happening. But if one of the big offensive linemen, I would say the big five, including Anton Harrison, is available, and Anton Harrison is here, I think they'll take Harrison. Um, they've done some extensive work into Harrison this offseason, and I, I think that they want to keep 
Luke Gedecky at interior. He can play tackle for you, but I think they want to keep him in interior. And if that's the case, you you got to draft another offensive tackle. So with Harrison on the board, I think Harrison would be the pick. Yeah, I think it's the right kind of range as well for that offensive tackle run. Not really a run, but the offensive tackles to keep going. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that spot. Number 20, Seattle Seahawks, their second pick. Jackson Smith and Jigba is one that I just really like a lot here. I don't know if he makes it to 20. I don't know if they'd pick him at 20, but I just love the fit. You know, getting to play him in a wide receiver trio with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and then, you know, as Tyler Lockett gets a little bit older, you could put, you could slide Jack Smith and Jigbo like right into that role. You could find then another wide receiver three to complement that room. I just think it keeps the pass catching options really strong for Geno Smith. And if you're not drafting a quarterback, you want to continue to make that offense as potent as possible. Give him all sorts of weapons. And I, 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 I just love this fit here with JSN. In yeah, Seattle. I do as well. Like they, We've been talking a lot this offseason about how the Seahawks really need a slot receiver. And we've been saying, you know, Jordan Addison, maybe those guys, Zay Flowers, you know, one of the smaller two, three, uh, tier two, three receivers. But it's always been with the assumption that Jackson Smith and Jacob is probably long gone. If he actually slid all the way to Seattle at 20, I think they'd love that spot, even if he doesn't bring the same vertical threat that some of these other guys can from the slot. He's probably the best slot receiver of the group and can potentially be more. You don't need him to be right away, but maybe you can figure out down the line if he can step out and become you know, a bigger part of your outside receiving game. I, that's a great spot for me. And Smith and Jigba's stock is becoming like a really fascinating one because mm-hmm. – the consensus number one receiver, I guess, on on the board, but a guy that most people think is probably just a slot receiver, yeah. just quote unquote. But right. like, right now, look, Cooper Cup is arguably just a slot receiver, so it's not like that necessarily caps you to being like a crap player. <laughs> right, but right. It's it, it is interesting that like the consensus number one receiver is a guy that usually has a profile that you don't draft in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like if that is what he is that's usually a second round, third round type of player. Uh, And yet we're talking about him. I mean, he was going as high as 12 pretty regularly. And now all of a sudden, I think closer to the the draft, it appears to be his stock. His stock seems like it's slipping. Like now we're saying, actually, you probably want that guy in the 20s. I don't know about slipping. I think this is just always the reality of where his range has been, somewhere between 10 and 25. That's what I've always thought with Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Just depends. Quite a range. Well, I think it's a range for a lot of these players in yeah. the draft, right? But I it feel I mean, this might just be the the circle that you do pre draft where like everybody's stock goes around up and down that sure. ends up where it was supposed to be anyway. Sure. But it feels to me like the hype around him was hot a while ago and he, we were talking about, you know, maybe he'd go in the top ten or certainly twelve to Houston once they get their quarterback at two. Now it's more you're seeing a lot of these types of picks where the first number in his pick is a two. Like he's being picked in the twenty somewhere. Mm-hmm. That feels like I, I I think you're right that like that was always the range, but feels like we're leaning more towards the the latter half of that range than the first half now. Los Angeles Chargers number twenty one. Um, so this is again a predictive mock draft. This yes. is what I think could happen. <laughs> when I look at the Chargers situation, people want to get more speed on that team. And I think people often try to force speed on that team at wide receiver because that's what they're like, hey, they need more speed at wide receiver. They need to stretch the field. They need to get more dynamic. Zay Flowers, okay, well, he's he's 
not really that traditional like deep speed type of a field stretcher player like take the top off a of defense although he can attack deep yep he's not that like that's not his role we've seen we've seen some mock drafts try to force Jalen Hyatt in this spot he's way rich for Jalen Hyatt I really do Marvin Mims kind of the same way another good vertical wide receiver but you're not taking ver- you're not taking those guys at number 21 instead I looked in a different direction they have maybe a potential issue with Austin Eckler Austin Eckler demanded a trade wants a new contract wants more guaranteed money and when that news came out we along with everybody else said man Austin Eckler does so much for that team you can't just replace him with anybody he's one of those backs that is so versatile for that team that it's hard to just say like oh yeah you'll replace him with another running back it's not it's not really just another running back that you would be able to replace Austin Eckler with because of his usage Jameer Gibbs from Alabama checks a lot of those boxes that I just mentioned he's one of the most electric playmakers in the draft he increases the team speed he makes you a lot more dynamic on off on offense he was the he had the highest rushing grade for Alabama last year he also had the highest receiving grade for Alabama last year he can take the workload or at least the style of workload that Austin Eckler has had for this team and maybe they can move on from Austin Eckler and get him get something for him in a trade during this draft so instead of trying to force a wide receiver pick which they brought back all their wide receivers this year we wondered if they were going to move on from Keenan Allen are you going to move on for this guy they brought all their guys back so instead of drafting another wide receiver that you're going to try to force to get on the field instead of the guys that you already brought back you can instead alleviate a contract issue get more dynamic get more electric and get a fantastic playmaker add more speed to the team by drafting Jameer Gibbs yeah so I got Gibbs I think that makes sense I haven't seen that too much I think I'm the only one that has Jameer Gibbs to the Chargers yeah maybe but I I love it so much I'm doing it they were getting Bijan a lot when this was they're the range they're not gonna pick high enough for Bijan right when, and if you're trading up for Bijan that's where you lose me yeah so yeah, instead yeah. you can stay and everybody's been saying what over the last week Sam Jameer Gibbs going in the first round Jameer Gibbs is going higher than you think all right fine 21 of the Chargers. This yeah. makes by far the most sense outside of the Cowboys sitting there at 26. Yeah. No, they were getting Bijan a lot when this was the range that people thought Bijan was going to get picked in. And now it sounds like he might go in the top 10, and that obviously takes him out of this kind of range. So it, it does make sense that you substitute out Bijan for Jameer Gibbs. A lot of people have Gibbs as running back number one. Like, that's more common than I feel like it should be, given what Bijan is. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number 22, Baltimore Ravens. I think you're trading back. They only have five picks in this draft. This is a team that's going to move. They're going to they're going to try to acquire a little bit more draft capital. But got to have the trade partner. I have Joey Porter Jr., um, the corner from Penn State, going here. They need corner badly. Uh, they need outside corner badly. So if they're sticking to 22, I think corners very high on their priority list. Even if they trade back, I think that they're probably going to prioritize corner wherever it is they land. So had Joey Porter. I think he makes a ton of sense for him. But ultimately, I don't think they pick her. I like Joey Porter Jr. a lot. I think he's better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Mm. And then more versatile. CB3 for you? Two. Oh, you like him over Gonzalez? Yeah, I don't like Gonzalez. He's cornerback six. Well, you don't like good football players? I didn't know that about you. I, I like <laughs> good football players. That's why I don't have him as number number two. He uh, He's a good athlete. He's not, he's not a good football player right oh, now. Oh, man. I don't know about all that. I mean, he's never allowed a passer rating to his coverage lower than like 75, which is... Weatherspoon this year was 25. Okay, Weatherspoon was sick. Yeah, but like uh, this, uh, Mackay Blackman from USC, his was like 40. Like, 
the number needs to be a lot lower than 75 for you to be getting like the good end of this kind of thing. He's he's an incredible athlete. His movement skills are sick, like fluid, size. He's got all that. Give me that. No problem. Like 100%. If that was what you were focused on, and that is what a lot of people are focused on. Yeah, like, right. just give me the tools. Yeah. All you're looking for is the tools. Gonzalez is your number one cornerback this draft. It's not even a conversation. I don't think any – Deontay Banks is the only other guy who's in the conversation. Well, so like. Yeah, I, I, he, he's three, I think, for me, four. He's, he's three for me. He's ahead of Gonzalez anyway. But if that's all you're interested in, like those are one, two, Gonzalez and Deontay Banks. But if you're actually like, okay, but then what happens? Like when he's on the field, what does it look like? He's He can stick with receivers, but he's late reading the play. He's bad at the catch point. He doesn't tackle very well. Like there's a lot of things he's not good at that are quite important to playing cornerback. The other interesting point I thought for him was um, Haley English, who used to be a, an R&D intern, I think, at PFF, and now uh, writes for Purple Insider. She did a, an article or like a, a research study looking at corners that have improved their coverage grade from college to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Number one, there's a very low number of them. And when they do, it's a small improvement, right? So mm -hmm. Gonzalez, to get from where he was in college to like the place people are projecting him to be in the NFL as number one corner, would need a, a big jump. And that doesn't tend to happen. I'm just saying, buyer beware. All right. It's the only point I would make. All right. But the flip side of that is I like Joey Porter a lot. Sure. So right. Like this pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number 23, Minnesota Vikings. Hand and hooker. <gasps> yeah, I wanted to have hand and hooker going around one. Uh, the Vikings do make sense for hooker, um, especially given the fact that they have Kirk Cousins entrenched there, but maybe not for the super long term. So you figure Hendon's probably going to miss most of next year anyways, given the injury. And people are like, oh, he's 25 years old. He's going to be 26 by the time he's a first-year starter. Maybe. Maybe he'll be 27, 28. Uh, folks, it, it it doesn't matter. Quarterbacks can play until they're 38. Like, Hendon Hooker could not start until he's 28, and he could still play 10 years in the NFL if yeah. he's really good. If you believe he's really good. Yes. Do you want younger players, guys who have succeeded at younger ages? Yes. I think the data shows you that if you succeed and you dominate at a younger age, it is a really good way to indicate that you are very talented and that you're going to have a long, successful NFL career. But I wouldn't be drafting Hooker in round one. It seems like the NFL is a lot higher on him than I am. So this is an accuracy mock. you got to remember that. Yep. And I think there's a lot of buzz for him back end of round one. Yeah, the age thing to me, I mean, the age is irrelevant in terms of, oh, he's already like X years into his NFL career. That that shouldn't be a thing anymore. Like with, as you say, the age quarterbacks are able to play to minimum, minimum, you're getting 10 years out of them, which is all, you know, that's a jackpot hit if you get a 10-year quarterback. So that part is irrelevant. Where I think it is at least relevant is – he was a 20, he was an, a, an old 24 year old player playing against teenagers. That's relevant. Like the fact that he was a man playing against these kids, that at least I think is something that you need to factor in and be like, okay, when we're evaluating this, him not tape, breaking out really until this past year goes a lot further into his scouting report than his age does. Sure. But, but that to me, like when people are saying, Oh, all the things wrong with Hendon hooker, right? He's got his torn ACL. He's 25, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. The 25 thing I think is a factor, but the fact, the way it is a factor is he was an old 24 year old, like carving up 
defense is full of 19-year-olds. Like, that's relevant information, you know? So when we're saying one of the greatest uh, turnover-worthy play rates in the nation, 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, nine and a half yards per attempt, like, all of this has to be in the context of this was a 24-and-a-half-year-old guy doing that, which is at least important knowledge to have, as opposed to he was also a kid beating up kids. Like, I, I do think it's at least relevant information, but it's not relevant projecting him forward as in, well, that puts a, that puts a, a time limit on how long you're going to get him. Mm-hmm. You know? That part is silly. Yep. All right. What do we got next up? Number 24, Jacksonville Jaguars. A predictive mock again. I would have gone with Brian Branch here for the Jags, but um, one, they've done a lot of research on Deontay Banks. I think they interviewed him at the combine. They met him at his pro day. They, I believe, they had him for an individual workout as well. So I think they've put a lot of effort into Deontay Banks. And when it comes to Banks versus Branch, as we saw last year with how Trent Baalke evaluates prospects and how he prioritizes prospects. Sure, Branch is fantastic, and he could still be the pick for them here, but Branch is not the athlete that Trent Baalke continuously goes right. after. And, and there's a long track record of that. Deontay Banks is. He's a 90th percentile athlete in all of the areas that you would want him to be for a corner. So I went with the guy who I think they're going to like more because he's the better athlete in Deontay Banks. Hmm. That's interesting because I think the better stylistic fit is that, Brian Branch for that defense is Brian Branch, yeah. right? Because then you get to put Darius Williams on the outside where he's a lot more comfortable, right? But I, again, predictive mock. I just don't. I don't know if the Jags are going to take a limited athlete at corner, right? I, I don't think Balky's track record says that that would be the case. Twenty-five New York Giants. I don't see this one a lot anymore. Steve's been hammering this one from day one. Like, this is his pick every time. I'm going John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Yeah. I I, I think Joe Shane's just a trench guy. <laughs> like, until the trenches are to his liking, he's going to invest in the trenches. And the more I thought about it, I was like, man, the, we got a lot of wide receivers still left on the board. The Giants could take a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dalton Kincaid was still on the board at this point. Yep. You know, I I believe Michael Mayer was still on the board at this point. Yep. Um, just, just like bigger receivers. I know they traded for Darren Waller, but just like these bigger receiver type of players. Brian Branch is still on the board at this point. Like all those are good options and good picks for the Giants, but I just kept going back to the fact that I don't think there's another center in this class that gives you the conviction or the confidence that he could step in and start right away for you for a long time that John Michael Smith does. And I think that Joe Shane showed last year, I'm going to build this team through the trenches. And especially after paying Daniel Jones, they're not going to leave any stone unturned on the offensive line. They're going to want to make the offensive line as good as they possibly can. And so that's why I landed on the trench pick. All right. I mean, I we, we like that pick. We've been talking about that the whole time. And... I don't know how much closer his sort of stock is getting to the first round, but it's been like he was low on the consensus board for quite a while. Where is he now? I gotta scroll past the first page. It's, it's never more a good likely sign. that he's a second round pick. Thirty nine on Arif Hassan's consensus board, so right. he's getting there. I think. I think that's moving in the right direction for him. All right. Um, pick number twenty six, Dallas. Too easy. Uh, both <laughs> running backs off the board. I think this is tight end Michael Mayer. Um, he just feels like a cowboy type of pick. I think Dalton Kincaid could also be the pick here, but I think they're going to look tight end. I think it's going to be one of those four players, right? I'd be kind of shocked if it wasn't. Um, 
they could go defensive line, but I don't know what defensive lineman would entice them away from those four players. It'd be John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Michael Mayer, and Dalton Kincaid. It's going to be one of those guys, and it might not even be a 26. They might trade up for the one that they really, really want right. if one of those guys is still on the board, maybe in the late teens. So um, ultimately, I have the Cowboys sticking to 26, and I have them taking Mayer. Mayer, is, uh, he got comped to um, Jason Witten by the late Michael Renner. Um, He's not dead. Wait, he's dead to us. Wow. 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 <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, I like that comp. Like, I think stylistically that makes a lot of sense. It does, yeah. Now, it turns out Witten is a lot bigger than Mayer turned out to be, but he's the same size as Mayer was supposed to be. Does that make sense? What did we think Mayer was? Well, then, like, Mayer came in like 10 pounds later or under what he was listed as. What did he, he come in at? 250? Like two, no, like 246 or something. So, uh, Notre Dame had Mayer listed at 265. Yeah. And which I, is exactly, I think, what Witten is. I. Th- <sighs> What did Mayer Don't quote up? me on this, but I think he played close to 260. Mayer? I or, think he lost a bunch of weight for the combine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think is a smart thing for him. He came in at 249 at the combine. Yeah. So, so he's down two, 15 pounds over what he was listed as. Right. That's right, a lot. Right. And I don't – that it didn't feel like that helped him in any way. Could be worse. Like he ran could a 4.7 still could at that be, speed. Uh, Tuli Tuli Pelotu, who was listed on USC's site at like 2.95. Right. And he's like 2.70. Yeah. But it's like. That's like, not, the, not the same player. That's not even the same player. Right. But like the selling point. They can't point. play the same position <laughs> at 2.95 to 2.70. Like the selling point on Mayer was the size. It's like sure. you've got this guy who's huge, you know? Yeah, you might have like a. A great speedy in uh, move tight end, but I, this dude can make plays at two sixty five. It's like, oh, all of a sudden he's only two forty nine. Yeah, that wouldn't. It's, it's not as you know. It's not as fancy. I'm fine with it. I think he was shorter than he was listed as well. Well, maybe that. It's I a believe bad that. measurement the schools, day. The schools lie on height all the time. Bad measurement day from Michael Mayer. Anyway, um, my point being, when you thought he was two sixty five, he was Jason Witten two Now that he's only two forty nine, who knows? But it does make a lot of sense for Dallas to just recreate, you know, one of their former great players. Mm-hmm. Number 27, Buffalo Bills. I don't think Buffalo picks here. I think <laughs> Buffalo picks in the second round for the first time uh, this draft weekend. I think the Los Angeles Rams are a team that has a lot of picks that are going to look up to, to get into the first round. They've been sitting back for a couple of years now with drafts, and I think that they're— Who would they be going for? I think if they're sick of that shit. Um because that's the thing, right? Literally is, any O-lineman or defensive lineman that could help them out. If they this, want to trade all the way up for Matthew Bergeron, Bergeron's still on the board. There's some hints of him being a first-round pick. They could they could trade up and, and get him. There's a couple of teams that would need offensive line that are kind of coming up. Maybe like Osiris Torrance, Steve Avila, if they're big on those guys. Adetimiwa Adabuare, um, BJ Ojolari, Will McDonald. Like Those are all players, I think, along the trenches that would – be within their range of saying like, hey, we because the Rams have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven picks right now. They have two third rounders, mm-hmm. three fifth rounders, three sixth rounders, and two seventh rounders. So you got a ton of day three capital. They're gonna try to package some stuff up and move and and actually pick in the first round this year. I really think that, and I think Buffalo is a. Um, a good target team to do that because I think the Buffalo wants to move back. I think there's a ton of teams after pick like 20 that want to get out of the first round. But the problem with that is like who is a team in the second coming up for? And when you look at the guys like still on the board, I I could see a team maybe trying to grab a Dalton Dalton Kincaid if they think he's like the best tight end of this draft by a distance, which is reasonable. Um, But 
trading up for a tight end is not exactly a uh, shrewd um, position value type of move. So the Bills, a- Bills are still on the clock here. I gave him Zay Flowers. Um, I just think Zay Flowers is a dynamic receiver that could uh, really help them out. Um, as they're obviously making their playoff and Super Bowl push. But I also feel like they're very in on linebacker as well. Jack Campbell, mm. Drew Sanders. I think those are two options for them. Potentially Brian Branch if he's still available by the time you get here. But the, I, I landed on Zay just to help out the offense. Oh, Cyrus Torrance as well. Could right. potentially be a pick for him, but um, that's where I landed. Cincinnati at 28. I went with cornerback Emmanuel Forbes because that's just what I've heard. Um, Kincaid's still on the board, and, and maybe they would go with Dalton Kincaid. But I've just I've heard so much Emmanuel Forbes buzz, and maybe I've only heard the Emmanuel Forbes buzz because Kincaid and Mayer are like off the board by right. the time we get to twenty eight. So maybe I'm overthinking it here because Kincaid I do still have on the board, but you're losing a lot of ball production with both safeties gone. Um, with Eli Apple gone. And I don't think they're in the worst shape, right? They still have good corners. They've still got Shadobi Wuzier. They still have Camp Taylor Britt. They still have Mike Hilton. They still have Dax Hill. But I still think they need playmakers and guys who can make plays on the ball in that secondary. And nobody did it better than Emmanuel Forbes over the last couple of seasons. I'm definitely worried about him weighing 166. Um, he's lower on my rankings, but the NFL seems to be a lot higher on him. And I think he's going to be a first round pick tonight. Yeah, I think he might be. Um, I. Cincinnati passing, not passing, but I, they need a right tackle. Like, Lyle Collins tore all three ligaments in his knee. Not and, good. And wasn't playing particularly well before he did that. Not good. And the backup option is Hakeem Adeniji, which they've seen multiple times now, is a problem. So if Cincinnati doesn't come out of the draft with a starting right tackle, they're in trouble there. Like, they need to find something in free agency, and there's not too much out there. So... Dewan Jones being available at this spot, I think, would be pretty tempting, particularly with Orlando Brown already there to show him how like a giant human plays. Sure, um, that I would, I could see them. I'd, be, I'd struggle to see them passing on him. I think, but Forbes it makes a lot of sense. Like it's definitely a position of need for them. Uh, number twenty nine, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Brian, I think it's one of two players. I think it's Brian Brzee or Keon White. Um, it does just feel like New Orleans Saints guys, right? These just uniquely built good athlete type of players who can play anything from a five technique all the way to a a, a, a nose one right I, mean, yeah. I don't know i don't know if you want keon white playing a nose one but brian brzee can play all those different spots for you i landed on brian brzee if they stick at 29 i think that he's an option for him i also think that new orleans saints are a team that is going to look to get aggressive because i feel like they're always looking to get aggressive so a brian brzee is going to be well within their range they lost Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle from last year's defensive line. I think it's going to be something along the defensive line, and Brzee gives you the chance to fill some of those different holes. Yeah, the, the Keon White, I think there's some similarities there with Marcus Davenport when he was drafted. Like this sort of just dominant freak athlete, doesn't have a ton in terms of refinement, and you know, obviously they just left or lost Marcus Davenport so replacing yeah. him with Keon White would definitely make sense as well people people have put Miles Murphy here a lot Miles Murphy yeah. makes it 100% yeah yeah but I think Miles Murphy goes well before this uh number 30 Philadelphia's second pitch I pick, wanted to pick. get Brian Branch in this first round he's just too good of a football player in this class yeah. and so with with me taking Nolan Smith at number 10 for the Eagles you got a lot of offensive linemen on the board sure but You've also you're going to be replacing safety snaps from uh, Chauncey Garner Johnson, who's mm-hmm. gone. Um, you have Avante Maddox, which is fine, but he's a smaller player and maybe not as reliable in the slot. They signed um, 
Terrell Edmonds. Yes, that's the correct Edmonds brother. Yep. So Edmonds is going to take a little bit of that C.J. Garner-Johnson role of that nickel hybrid slash safety spot. But, I mean, if you're drafting a great football player like Brian Branch, you're hoping they're playing deep in the playoffs anyways. So you brought back James Bradbury. You brought back Darius Slay. If your cornerback trio is Slay, Bradbury, Branch, you're doing pretty well for yourself. That is a secondary that I would be comfortable with going into the playoffs, especially in the NFC, to make another run in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I love Brian Branch. I think he's one of the best players in this draft. Um, if he had a slightly better physical profile, measurables-wise, speed-wise, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I, he'd be a blue-chip guy, yeah. to be honest. So I, I love that pick. I think that makes sense. And yeah, they are gonna they can pass on an offensive lineman to take that at 30 if he's there. 31, Kansas City Chiefs. Final pick of the first round. Uh, I had to get Dalton Kincaid in here. And honestly, if Kincaid makes it to the Kansas City Chiefs at 31, this is hilarious. Uh, what are you going to do against this offense? If the, if all of these pass catchers are healthy that they have, wh- what are you going to do? Dalton Kincaid and, and Travis Kelsey, to me, in the same offense, a lot of people would go, oh, that's redundant. It's it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be redundant. It's the thing. One of them can play in line. One of them can be in the slot. One of them can be on the X. One of them can be in the in line. One of them can, they, they could be at X and on the slot at the same time. You could you, to think that Andy Reid wouldn't figure out how to maximize Travis Kelsey and Dalton Kincaid to put incredible stress on the defense is uh, silly. So if he makes it this far, he'd be a hilarious pick. But I fully admit that he's probably going a little bit earlier. And in reality, I think an edge rusher is pretty big for them. Yeah, Felix Onyedike Ozama, um, B.J. Oshilari, Will McDonald; those are all guys that I could I could definitely see being picks for the Chiefs. You've also like there's nothing wrong with future proofing the idea that Travis Kelsey's age actually catches up to him at some point. Sure, like he's right. He's ten months younger than Gronk, who's been retired twice already, including yeah. for a year, like yeah. since we last saw him. Right. So, yep. Okay, there's there's literally no sign of Travis Kelsey slowing down, but it's gonna happen at some point, right? So having a potential replacement on the roster who you think can come in and pick up a lot of that slack is a pretty important thing. Like, even if there's no sign of it right now, like, what if this is the year where all of a sudden Travis Kelsey starts looking a bit old and right. declining? Like He's it, 33? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know. Great pick, Trev. 33 That's and, insane. you know, October is his birthday. So he'll be 34 during the season. I mean, this is – like, he's, he's old for a tight end. He just oh, doesn't look it. I wouldn't call him that. I mean, not face. to his face. Yeah, yeah you know, no, right. find his bank sure. on this show. <laughs> oh, right, of course. <laughs> the Kelseys are out there trashing PFF when they want. Like, we can, we can throw back every now and again, you know? Do they? Do they hate PFF? Well, they had that. They brought up the, uh, I think they were the people that brought up, you know, pay for grades again. That thing that comes up every now and again. Oh. The Kelseys definitely had something about it. Yeah, if we're getting paid for grades, somebody needs to tell my bank account. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah we could, maybe we'll, we can talk off air. Maybe we Actually, can set that's up. That's not a, little, a bad idea. Maybe we can set up a little right. side business. Call you know? of agents, you know, his up. Yeah, we Call know some back people. End, change things around. Particularly, I mean, pre-draft hype, right? I'm gonna put Christian Gonzalez's um, passer rating against all the way down in the 40s. Just change it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna change <laughs> it. Just invent a random touchdown. Like, <laughs> yeah, look, turned out is. Uh, I'm gonna have AI just like create an all 22 like <laughs> play that you've got to stare at. You'd no, be like, I don't remember watching this. Yeah, for Gonzalez, we just go and we find like the 10 biggest plays against him and just put it on a different number instead and see what that does to his passer rating. Ah, look, all of a sudden, he's the number one player in the draft. There you go. Yeah, going Told to the you. moon. Told you. All right, that's it. That's the end of this uh, pre-draft, draft day, predictive mock draft. First real one of those we've done. We will be back later this evening. Uh, what time are we going live? 7.45. 7.45. Just under eight hours. 7.45, live on the PFF YouTube channel, will be where our draft coverage starts. 
but not by any means where it ends. We'll be coming back after that first round from myself and Steve, recapping round one, and then we'll be back tomorrow for day two, and then day three, and the recap show, and the recap podcasts, all go, and this is just the start. It's going to be a grind, it's but I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I truly admit that this draft could get nuts. Yes, very This draft fast. could get nuts very fast, like you said. So everybody out there that's watching this show, watch the live drafts stream because I think there are going to be some moments and some reactions that are going to be priceless as we hear and see and read the names that come across our screen. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this draft is going to be, there's going to be some craziness in this draft because the rankings are everywhere, you know. Like even just Gonzalez, right? A lot of people rank him number one. I rank him number six. There's a ton of that. Every position seems to be like that with his rankings all over the board. And none of them are necessarily crazy. All the anonymous like, scouts quotes are hilarious to me this year. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, yeah, this guy, you know, could could get a little bit better in this area. Needs to shore up this, but solid second rounder. The By the time you get to, like, the last scouts quote, it's like, I wouldn't hate dra- it. I, I wouldn't draft Garbage. Him. I can't believe this guy's parents took him out to play when he was five. <laughs> like, what if, and I'm like, what is what? <laughs> Those are so the anonymous scout quotes are good this year. My other favorite thing this year is every insider report you read is like just texted with a GM has no idea what's happening. <laughs> what? Like you you're literally explaining to us that you're unable to get any information. Like that's they not, want you to know that they're trying. Yeah, yeah. That they're grinding. But like everybody right now is like, I've just spoken to several key insiders and decision makers and have no more useful information than I had before I texted them. Like nobody knows anything right now. Everyone is just guessing. The only thing anybody knows is that Bryce Young is probably going number one overall. After that, who the hell knows? Just dartboard time. It's true. It's madness. But I look, love it. Look, the the phrase is like, oh, that more darts to throw at the dartboard when people talk about the NFL draft. That might actually be the draft board this year for some teams. Yep. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Right. So we'll be back 745. Talk to you then and see you later. <laughs>